Hey y'all, this is Corey Wren, proud abolitionist vegan from the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. You can find me at examiner.com, writing as a Roanoke vegan examiner, and you are listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Hello and welcome to the 49th episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. Hopefully we can cover some vaguely interesting stories, bash others in the animal rights movement by misinterpreting clips from their podcast, and generally have fun. First up, Elizabeth Collins of NZ Vegan Podcast put out another episode recently. It's always great to see the little one circle in iTunes podcast section. Let's see what... Yes, it is nine o'clock. Let's see what Elizabeth had to say. She said, think of all the good that you do and all of the, the, the people that you help, because they do, they touch lives, they help lives. I mean, they, they do, you know, there may be corruption. <laughs> I don't really trust any organization 100%, but you know that somewhere along the line, probably quite a few people are being helped by this organization. Well, at least the Invercargill Vegan Society is upfront about being corrupt to the very core. The street store is so anonymous in a way. Um, you don't see the same people day after day. Even in Auckland, which is only a population of a million, you don't see the same people day after day. Okay, well, okay. Only a million? Really, Elizabeth? When our whole country has a population of four million? Count them. One, two, three, four. And you think one million people isn't a large number? Auckland, our largest city by far, has 1.3 million odd people. Give or take a few hundred thousand. They like driving their Audi SUVs to Starbucks. A small number, like a hundred thousand or two. They might have been away during census taking. Even if a whole million Aucklanders suddenly got laser beamed from space, there'd still be 300 odd thousand. That's six times the population of my city in Vicargal. And the second and third largest New Zealand cities are actually around 300 thousand. So, uh... A million people is kind of a lot, Elizabeth. And, and our every word. And the crazy thing about animal use is it's every single... It's almost feels like sometimes it's every second of every single day. I mean, my head is constantly like a ping-pong ball, like that old that old computer game. None of the youngies, youngies, youngies listening will understand it, but there was this computer game that uh, my generation will understand. I think it was called... Jeez, oh, Pong or something like that? And it was like a... You know, it was so basic. Yeah, I've kind of heard of that one. Maybe I'm not a youngie anymore. And it probably is basic, Elizabeth. Huh? I'm sure a few people would have picked up on that. Pong, basic, 20 go to 10. <laughs> Randy, you got it right. I'll let you all in on the number one game all the kids these days are hooked on. It's called Tiny Wings, and it's blazed up the App Store charts. I'm sure in a year or two those open source nut jobs will have ripped it off for that little android thing they're always muttering on about beneath their beards. Ever noticed how everyone involved with Linux has a beard and tends to be male? Now, to be fair, I'm sure there are women with nothing better to do than make buggy software that crashes on my iMac. But it's free, Jordan, and it's open and you can view the source code. Yeah. 
Well, how about making the damn thing work? Now that sounds like a great idea. And, if they have decided to shave their facial hair off, then they're just trying to follow Steve Jobs yet again, no good copycats. If you're one of those individuals who sport Coke bottle lens glasses, half a metre of shaggy hair from your neck, and would like to rail on about the need to fork my show into something better, you know, being divisive, please email me at notarealaddress, you open source bozos, at gmail.com. So, where was I? Oh yeah, Tiny Wings. Boy, wouldn't it be great if I could somehow share the wonderful musical score? But I didn't have a 3.5mm to 3.5mm jack cable, so I had to hold my lovely iPhone 4 up to some cheap Logitech mic. Any errors in reproduction are due to non-Apple hardware, doing its usual substandard job. Did anyone else listening hear the click sound and recognise it as being the unlock signal on an iPhone 4, running iOS version 4.2.1, build 8C148? Just me? Okay. Tiny Wings is a great game. A two-dimensional side-scroller. Kind of like, uh, what was it called? Lightning Bolt, Thunderclap, Boom, so Sonic! With gameplay similar to Sonic the Hedgehog games, you play the role of a pretty little bird. Again, if my confirmation bias isn't acting up again, who dreams of flying? Very Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Great book. Well, she has, you, you guessed it, tiny wings. So she needs flying help from some gentle hills. You have only one control, to tap and hold the screen or not. Doing so makes you heavy by tucking your wings in, so you can slide down hills and then let go as you near the peak, having gained the speed to bound over the top. You build momentum as you go, until you can move at a ridiculous speed and even touch the clouds. You bound from island to island, each with more difficult hills and cliffs to slide over. It's a terrific game. For all ages, it's a whopping 10 megabytes in size and costs about 99 US pesos, 1.29 of that strong New Zealand dollar. An example of the thought that's gone into it, each day the colour scheme changes, so each island is always different than the last, and each day they are different stripe combinations and colours. With the ever-thoughtful Apple taking a 30% cut of each app sold through the totally open and not censored app store, a walled garden of pure ideology, patrolled by shuffling white ghouls being addressed by some mantra-chanting dude on a big screen. That means, well, Apple have made a healthy sum of money with tiny wings. There are over 200 million iOS devices out there, about 200 million iTunes store accounts, and tiny wings is currently at the top of the charts worldwide, I believe. As with all beliefs, that doesn't make it true. If just one million from those 200 million customers have bought it, then the basically one guy who made the game in a trivial period of time will have had 700,000 American dollars thrown at him. Not bad for a month or a week or a week weekend's work, right? And Apple, since they have to go to such great lengths to list an app in some online store, that costs big money, you know. They would have totally earned $300,000. Because you need me, Springfield. Your guilty conscience may force you to vote Democratic, but deep down inside you secretly long for a cold-hearted Republican to lower taxes, brutalize criminals, and rule you like a king. That's why I did this. To protect you from yourselves. It should sure make those open source guys wish they'd put a dollar price tag on their code, right? One of my favorite things about Tiny Wings is how gentle the game is. You're a hen who dreams of flying. 
You fly all day, making heavy sounds, and the game ends when night falls, when it's bedtime for this Miss Hen. I like the nighttime music best of all. Watching that little hen sleep on the title screen or before you tap to begin, with the Zs, not Zs, Zs floating from her beak, sitting on her nest which serves to multiply your bonus. She looks just like Miss Hen, the black adult hen friend I used to have. She's been dead some time now, but I still miss her. I sometimes look at the last videos I had of her alive. I have two from the day before she was killed, sleeping in a green plastic bucket filled with dirt in the Southland sun. She didn't want much in life, to sit on my knee and eat bread, which is totally okay for chicken friends, peck at apples or drink clean water, be with her family and to sleep in the sun every now and then. Each part of New Zealand has a different ball of gas providing light. Someone should make a YouTube video comparing the two, my Miss Hen friend and the little bird from Tiny Wings. Oh wait, I have. You can find it on my YouTube account or I've linked to it on my blog, coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com or youtube.com slash jwontdart, J-A-Y-W-O-N-T-D-A-R-T. Okay, last clip bashing the NZ Vegan podcast, for this episode anyway. That is the scale of, of, of any natural disaster that we consider. Like, let's take a natural disaster anywhere in the world. And then let's multiply that by 56 billion, and however many that is a day. And that is what lives are like for non-human animals that are used for all the uses that we have, clothing, food, etc. It's a natural disaster every second of every day of their lives. Only it's not a natural disaster, it's a man-made disaster, and we can stop it. Oh, a natural disaster, huh? Easy to blame men and their man-made disasters, eh? But the big earthquake was caused by Mother Nature, with her tectonic breastplates. I'm always the Mr. Burns to Elizabeth's Lisa. I'm afraid I'm not familiar with that term, you adorable little ragamuffin. Hmm. You never heard of recycling? It means to reuse things to conserve our natural resources. Oh, so Mother Nature needs a favor. Well, maybe she should have thought of that when she was besetting us with droughts and floods and poison monkeys. Nature started the fight for survival, and now she wants to quit because she's losing, well, I say, hard... Soy base. Cheese. But nature's not our enemy. Well, surely you agree we can do without her? No, I don't agree. No? How dare you question Mr. Burns? I'll handle it, Smithers. <laughs> Shut up, little girl. If I had spent my life listening to dismal Doras like you, I wouldn't be worth $200 million today. I've got an interesting story to share. Boy, I sure wish there was some kind of show where people could leave a voicemail and share their stories from the past week. Sounds like a great idea, right? Next episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals will be a pilot episode of my new show idea. We can do just that. I hope to slap an intro, outro, and small talk around stories people send in. I'd aim to have about five people per episode of this show, and clips ranging from about a minute in length to a hard limit of five minutes, talking about any particular experience they'd like to share about veganism. It could be a great vegan t-shirt they bought, a protest they took part in, the last episode of their own podcast they'd like to share, an upcoming guest on their chat group, or a letter they've written to a local newspaper. You know, before those things go out of business. Sadly for my ego, that show won't be about me. It will be for anyone who'd like to share with the group, vegans from around the world having a chance to share their adventures. If it were about me, here's an example story that might be fun to have shared. A while ago I was walking home. 
and before I got to stroll past the cow's breast milk processing facility, we can plainly see the softcore porn calendars the workers have hanging on the inside walls, and then the butcher shop advertising body parts for $3 a kilogram, I found the bottom plate from a set of false teeth. It was sitting on an electrical box for all to see. What an odd thing, I thought. So, like anyone would do, I took a few photos of them on my phone and carried on my merry way. I uploaded the photos to my Flickr account, and one or two people liked my status update on Facebook. Each day as I would walk home, I'd notice they were still behind the concrete box where they'd fallen down. I had hoped the owner would remember where they lost their teeth, on the corners of Ettrick and Nith Streets in Invercargill, New Zealand. Apparently, getting your two front teeth for that religious holiday on the 25th of December is considered a pretty good gift. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth, my two front teeth, my two front teeth. Gee, if I could only have my two front teeth, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. Not on this show, mister. We're running a secular organisation here, buddy boy. We're trying to take the fun out of everything and delete public holidays. Huh. So, imagine what it would be like to lose a whole bottom row of teeth. What was I to do? Add it to my Facebook status? Like when I get told a few hundred words about each dog and cat on the other side of the world who's going to die tomorrow unless I drive to the shelter in New York State in my SUV and take them home to my Manhattan apartment? With no real hopes of anything, I actually sent the link to my Flickr set to a journalist I'd been in touch with. Yes, with the mainstream media, the Invercargill Eye, a free weekly newspaper. You know, those things using paper, the thing made from trees. It was to be a wacky story. Whoa, look what this guy found. And they were run as the front cover. I was mentioned as, a reader took this photo in South Invercargill. Within a day of running, after they'd been left waiting to be taken home for over a week, the owner contacted the paper. And then, he came around and picked them up from my house. But, not before the reporter had told me what his job was. The man who lost these false teeth was a slaughterman, someone who killed other animals for a living, being a part of a chain, where each worker earns less than a dollar for each life they help end, where they are dressed in white and are covered in warm blood before the bodies are cold frozen for export. Sarah knew I was vegan, that I ran the prestigious Invercargill Vegan Society, but I was not as shocked as the reporter might have thought. I said to her that it's expected living in a society where 99% of the population were not vegan, and that I didn't hate people for what they did to other animals, that violence was the problem and that it wasn't the solution. Not very original, I know, but I was walking home in my work overalls with the I'm vegan and I love you badges, carrying my Invercargill Vegan Society bag past the cow's breast milk processing facility, and about to go past the shop with muscle tissue on display through the glass and a smell of... Uh, Dank, blood, guts, body parts being smoked out the back. And worst of all, actually using my phone as a phone. Who does that in 2011? Walking down the street in a phone call, I looked like a jerk. Like I was all important with my little iPhone and canvas shoes and bag for a one-person vegan society. I had in my possession the bottom half of a pair of artificial teeth that were no doubt used to rip and chew and bite and swallow the body parts of other animals. It's pretty gross to think about, right? I took a photo of the teeth on the newspaper cover and had my chicken friends eat oats from on the page to get them in the picture too. Those teeth no doubt helped somebody eat other chickens' bodies. Talk about weapons of mass destruction. What could I do? 
I wasn't going to break the guy's teeth. Huh, now you're stoked to a life of tofu soup. Well, until you buy another pair of dentures or figure out how to put body parts in a blender. That would be declawing the cat. Welcome to Veganacious. All things vegan from an abolitionist perspective. You can find us on the web at veganacious.com, on Twitter, and our like page on Facebook. Barbara DeGrand here with episode 25, Declawing the Cat. I met the man, and he was genuinely happy to get his bottom teeth back. I had left them in my letterbox in a plastic bag along with some pamphlets and business cards about veganism. He came in and said hello, shook my hand and gave me $40. I didn't want to take his money, but I was also very nervous about meeting the guy. He had told me about how he'd been out drinking, how he lost his car here, lost his car keys there, and along the way was physically sick and lost his lunch. And his teeth. Wonderful. Just wonderful. I'm glad I didn't touch the teeth with my hands, instead using the plastic bag to pick them up as you would, so to speak, clean up after a dog. I wanted for him to be happy, to have his teeth back, and to forget about the whole thing, so I didn't fight with him over the money. What other chances this man who kills other animals for a living will seriously read the information about veganism? Not very likely? Perhaps he'll take them into his work, and the crew will all laugh about those vegans and their emotions as they kill and cut up other animals. What did I have to lose? That someone might throw away the bits of paper I spent a whole few seconds of my life putting in a plastic bag, joining the bottom part of false teeth? It's always good to have an opportunity to talk about veganism. The newspaper is apparently running a follow-up story in the next issue. Perhaps I can be mentioned. More importantly, the fact that I'm vegan could be mentioned, and that I helped someone who kills animals have his teeth back. Of course I don't agree with what he's going to use them for, but what could I have done? Snapped the teeth in half? Took to them with an angle grinder? Set them on fire? Should I have beaten him up and spray-painted MEAT IS MURDER YOU ANIMAL EXPLOITING SCUM on his shirt? Yeah, it might be easy to talk tough online, when you're out dressed in black in a farm after hours with a gang of your mates. I was face to face with an emotional guy who goes on benders, loses his car, his keys, his lunch and his teeth, or at least the bottom half of them. Violence wouldn't solve anything. If I am mentioned, I hope it can be another positive example of veganism, of vegans helping others. And what you've just heard would be an example of what I'd like to include on my next show, if I go ahead with it. A quirky story about promoting veganism, of a run-in with a slaughterhouse worker, and his false teeth. Or else my story might be about Tiny Wings, a little review that finds a non-existent vegan message in a popular video game. Just imagine how revolutionary it will be when you can hear five such stories per episode. That'll get you skipping past the Drupal podcast, right? I'll try a pilot episode as the 50th episode of this podcast. If you're interested in appearing, please email me. Um... Any Linux users? Hell, okay. Any non-Apple cultists, please fast forward past my actual email. People who don't use Apple products are too silly to realize this is another false address at yahoo.com. Thanks. Either that or jwontdart at gmail.com. J-A-Y-W-O-N-T-D-A-R-T. Just like how I use jwontdart everywhere else. 
on Facebook, Twitter, on my birth certificate, you know, everywhere. But that would be thinking logically. I hope to have the pilot out in a week or so, featuring five different vegans from around the world, talking for over a minute, under five, about something they'd like to share. I think it would be great. It would show that vegans are everywhere, and that we all have something to talk about, to show, and to learn from each other. We need more positive vegan role models to get it out there that vegans do not promote larger cages or having drugs injected into the brains of, quote, farm animals, so they are killed with a smile on their beaks. We need some kind of vegan superhero who goes about helping children stuck down wells and helping older chickens cross the road. The shocking documentary Living with Michael Jackson showed more than the side of Michael Jackson that laughed at British accents. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> What? What? What have I done? Come on, tell me. What have I done? No, I like your accent. I was laughing. You laughing like my how you accent? You said, said, I'm going to ask you. You said, I'm going to ask you. I like it. Can you do an English accent? A bit. <laughs> okay. nice, to, nice to meet you. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Nice well. to meet A nice, beautiful interview. <laughs> mortal sin to cut off Billie Jean, but I'd better. People complain if I have too many good songs in an episode. Not only did we learn that the most famous man in the world who claimed to have earned billions of dollars, like driving mobility scooters around hotels in the dead of night for fun, and like mocking our English friends, well, he also liked collecting mannequins. We need a vegan jolly green giant. Is that the Incredible Hulk? No, the Green Giant. The Jolly Green Giant. It's an old commercial, American commercial, to make kids eat green peas. Ho, 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 Green Giant. What five-year-old wouldn't want a terrifyingly large man spray-painted green ordering their parents to buy his branded frozen vegetables? It wouldn't make sense to have the free-range friendly rooster advertising chicken's flesh or the small-scaled slaughtered seal advertising marine animals' bodies. What child wants that? Mummy, Daddy, I can rest soundly tonight knowing the animals we kill had XX square centimetres of living space and that they were killed in the Temple Grandin approved method in the same shed they'd live their lives in. Oh, bless my angel, such a conscientious little omnivore. A few days ago, I watched the excellent documentary Who Killed the Electric Car? I'll save you some time. Big oil, the car companies, and incompetent US presidents. The editing suggested that President Carter was on the right track with his Hey guys, let's reduce our consumption of everything and maybe aim to work for alternatives rather than being reliant on grabbing black, smelly, explosive, and finite resources from an unstable region of the planet, huh? <laughs> no wonder that guy is commonly said to be the worst president ever. Thank heavens for Lord Reagan throwing the solar panels off the White House roof. We're conservative, but we don't need to conserve. We're a superpower for crying out loud. Let's get rid of regulations. Who cares about giant vehicles and smog throughout our major cities? Throw out stressed out air traffic controllers and boot out the mentally ill while you're at it. Best president ever. There were probably just as many incompetent Democrats responsible for the death of the electric car, the EV1, 
although the movie is kind of set up to have you believe it's to do with obese, rich Republicans on the take from huge multinational oil corporations. In a supposed effort to do something practical in the short term, an alternative fuel was suggested. Why, hydrogen. Can you think of a word that's two letters longer than hydrogen? Hindenburg. The blimp that went BOOM from, you guessed it, the hydrogen gas doing that little thing it likes to do. You know the one. EXPLODE! Just like how the GIMP photo editing software always has a memory gin leak, or something, explodes and then crashes on my lovely jobs blessed hardware. Yeah. Oh, the stupidity of hydrogen cars. Who could be for such an obviously backwards idea? As California withered under the pressure, the car makers found a powerful new ally. The federal government. Shortly after joining the suit, the Bush administration made another announcement. Tonight I'm proposing $1.2 billion in research funding so that America can lead the world in developing clean, hydrogen-powered automobiles. The federal government joined the car and oil industries to embrace a new clean car of the future. With more than a billion federal dollars up for grabs, Soon you may see some of these cars cruising through your very own neighborhood. We will not just dream about the hydrogen fueling stations. We will not just dream about the hydrogen cars. We will build it. The hydrogen Hummer is not a production vehicle. It's a concept vehicle. It's a way for Governor Schwarzenegger to have a property at various events that he goes to when he unveils a, a new hydrogen refueling station at LAX, for example. I'm going to encourage the building of a hydrogen highway to take us to the environmental future. While hydrogen fuel cells offered an exciting alternative sometime in the future, what would happen to the technology of today? What would happen to the electric car? Yeah, that's right. Once you go from petrol to hydrogen, you will not be going back. I think I was channeling Yoda near the end. The correct alternative was always there. Electric cars, running on cheap, efficient, able to be generated from renewable resources like in that crappy little country, New Zealand, where those idiots get 70% of their total power through hydro schemes and other basically unlimited sources. Nah, we can't have that, it sounds wacky, far off, gotta be practical, gotta promote something with no real chance in solving fundamental issues. Yes, sorry to use the old cliches from the animal rights movement, but hydrogen cars really are improved welfare animal corpses and bodily secretions compared to the vegan, electric cars. I know, I know, you hear that one all the time. Sorry. And for some reason, the sensible answer is seen as difficult. For most Americans, when you talk about sensible energy policy, what most people hear is, you're going to make me drive a small car, you're going to make me keep my house cold, and essentially going to make me live like a European. Oh God, not like a European, anything but that. Two months ago, the editor of an Austrian newspaper, a conservative by the way, asked me how Americans could possibly oppose giving health insurance to the millions who don't have it. To Europeans across the political spectrum, it's unthinkable to withhold health insurance just as we would regard it as unthinkable to deny an education to children. The Austrians, the French, the Germans, who have excellent medical care, don't become uninsurable when they get ill. They don't get locked into a job for fear of losing health coverage. Universal coverage makes them more secure 
and it actually makes them more free. But every time the issue of universal coverage has arisen here, the opponents have used innuendo and fear to defeat health reforms that are common to every other advanced democracy. Naming all those individual countries, that's divisive. Somebody should think of a way to swallow them all up into one giant, unified behemoth, possibly European. Think of what it would be like growing up with electric cars. I'm 23. I was born in 1987. The earliest cars I remember commonly seeing were from the early 90s. New Zealanders most commonly drive second-hand Japanese cars. Jap imports, as in, you know, in Japan, you get a new car every five months, sort of like a hermit crab, and then the parasitic New Zealanders get sent the discarded waste. We both drive on the correct left side of the road, which isn't right, but our hands sure are right-hand drive, the right way to drive. The EV1 came out in the later 90s. If it had been on the market and done well, which it very well could have, then the other electric vehicles would have been brought to market too. My friends, who are a few years younger, might have remembered always seeing electric cars near silently accelerating all over the place. It's not some wacko dream. It really was happening. And sure, 1996 or so, that sounds like a long time ago. That's before Google and before the iMac and... God, before the iPod and the iPhone and the iPad. Oh, who would want to live back then? Well... According to the car world, you know, they move kind of slowly there. Um, apparently, it's not that long ago for a car, so... Mm, it wasn't some wacko dream. It really was happening. Electric cars were the future. One of the people responsible for selling the EV1 program spoke at a mock funeral for the electric cars. They used to ask me, why do you do what you do? And I, especially after I had my son told them, I figure if I do my job well enough, my son will never know a time before there were electric cars on the road. And he rode in an EV1 on the way over here, and he said, I wish we could keep the EV1 for a long time. And all I could say was, me too. That's what it would be like if we promoted veganism too. Once there are more vegans, there's more vegan restaurants, and it's all uphill from there. Um, it's a good thing to be going uphill, right? You know, like when a line diagram is increasing over time, the hill is going up, rather than going down, going downhill. Great. We've invented veganism. It took many years, millions of man hours, millions of woman hours, and countless lives, but we have veganism now. It's not animal rifi anymore. Instead of inventing some wholly unreasonable new fuel, or a new idea that won't work, hey, it's wrong to kill animals, but let's tell people it's okay, it's good, they are good to buy animals killed this way. Let's do it through technology. We can change the world, a peaceful revolution, through technology. A long way to reducing our dependence on oil. And generating that electricity with the wind and the sun would create even less pollution. With his battery technology in most hybrid cars, Ovshinsky has also built one of the largest thin film solar factories in the world. This is just an ordinary steel roof. And this is with the adhesive. You just put the shingles down, nail them down. You're in there, you run your wires down. Everything is plug and play. Anybody that wants to make a revolution shouldn't grab a gun. Just go and start working like we do to change the world by using science and technology. Veganism is real. It works. It requires no tailpipe. And it's renewable. 
It's not unreasonable to promote veganism. It's here, all around us. If only the big evil animal welfare groups wouldn't try and squash any uprising, any uphill movements for veganism. You know one of my favourite things about movies? Of course you do. The ending. Especially if it's a bad movie, it's great for it to be over then. But if it's a good movie, with a good ending, that can be memorable. I've seen that old movie with the old dudes like Rosebud. Real low production quality. Is it in 3D, you ask? <laughs> Not even colour, cheap bums. Sometimes a song will get stuck in my head. Annoying, but it could be worse. I could be Elizabeth and being bashed over the head with ping pong balls all the time. I love that movie, the one I'm not allowed to talk about. Maybe I can talk about it if I don't name it. That's the first rule, I think. The one where we learn why we should all be projectionists, to have fun, making our own extended cuts of children's movies. Tyler was a night person. While the rest of us were sleeping, he worked. He had one part-time job as a projectionist. See, a movie doesn't come all on one big reel. It comes on a few. So someone has to be there to switch the projectors at the exact moment that one reel ends and the next one begins. If you look for it, you can see these little dots come into the upper right-hand corner of the screen. In the industry, we call them cigarette burns. That's the cue for a changeover. He flips the projectors, movie keeps right on going, and nobody in the audience has any idea. Why would anyone want this shit job? Because it affords him other interesting opportunities. Like splicing single frames of pornography into family films. So when the snooty cat and the courageous dog with the celebrity voices meet for the first time in Reel 3, that's when you'll catch a flash of Tyler's contribution to the film. Nobody knows that they saw it, but they did. Nice big rooster. Hummingbird couldn't catch Tyler at work. Great stuff. I love the song at the end of the Fight Club. I mean, uh, the movie that is most certainly not called Fight Club. <laughs> Definitely not. At the top of a skyscraper, watching all the other ones blow up through homemade explosives, made with the fat of humans too, showing, hey, we have animal fat too. Perhaps we're animals. It makes me want to pick up my ear guitar and play along. Who did this? I did, actually. Find some gauze. You shot yourself? Yes, but it's okay. Marla, look at me. I'm really okay. Trust me. Everything's gonna be fine. You met me at a very strange time. Who Killed the Electric Car had a great end song too. I'll play it, but not until I've played an open mic performance about veganism. They remind me of each other, of introspection, 
of a social cause of electric cars and veganism. onto the killing floor, he will still be looking for his mother, still desperately needing her nurturing presence, especially at that dark time when he will be frightened and needing her more than ever in the midst of the terrible sights and sounds and scents of death all around him. He is the free-range wheel on our plate. Just like humans, cows need to give birth in order to produce milk. She will be milked relentlessly through repeated cycles of artificial pregnancies and bereavements. Her only experience of motherhood will be that of a mother's worst loss. She is the face.
by such and such a day or you're going to be held liable. I liked them both, whether in a pre-recorded episode of your own show or an open mic night, we can promote veganism creatively and non-violently. Let's not sell silly hydrogen-powered cars pretending that it's somehow the best option, knowing it's going nowhere, but that you'll make money and feel good along the way. To go along with industry and to make them more efficient, to give them a new fuel to sell and make money. It's 10 o'clock now, I'm told. Where were these hydrogen cars to refuel? At Shell service stations, among others. It was the old industry, with a new face, pretending it was up on the future. No, it wasn't. With electric stations, new companies come into play, not welfare-approved flesh from the New Zealand Pork Board. New entities and organisations, the Auckland Abolitionist Vegans Association, the Invercargill Vegan Society, the Emmy James House of Vegan Clothing Design. Who needs those silly history books written by the conquerors? We have Wikipedia. Sure, the books tell you those idiot wrong brothers flew the first plane. Bah! Of course they ignore brave Richard Pierce, the New Zealander who flew before them, in a plane of his own design, made by himself at the bottom of the world. He didn't have no fancy pants organisation behind him, no team of bicycle repair persons, and he didn't even have any publicity either. The world didn't know about what he was doing. He was at the bottom of the world. This was in a time before Facebook and the Twitter. New Zealanders are also doing a great job with electric cars, the Wright Speed X1. 
engineer Ian Wright, an early employee of Tesla, the company named after the wonderful Serbian Tesla, who's far more deserving of accolades than the comparatively dim Edison. Tesla invented just about everything to do with light, sound, radio waves, remote control, Wi-Fi, probably. And carrying on my sickening patriotism, New Zealand's also doing a great job with podcasts too, promoting the good word of veganism. We're absolutely plagued with one-man vegan societies and two-person abolitionist associations. And veganism is all about ripening people up to the idea of claims making. Isn't that right, Professor Roger Yates of the University College of Dublin? Uh, well, yeah, I guess. Exactly. Yes, that's right, Professor Roger Yates of the University College of Dublin. There's no poverty of ambition in the animal rights movement here. <laughs> Stay the podcasting equivalent of tuned in. Uh, subscribed in iTunes, I guess. Next episode, I'll run a pilot for my new show idea, This Week in Vegan. Let's see if I get sued by Leo Laporte. Screw you, Jordan Wyatt! I'll need plenty of friends to pull the show off. So please, if you are interested in appearing in a short voicemail-style clip, please get in touch. Once more, any non-OS 10 Unix users, well, I don't have to hope they ignore their next address. Whatever program they used to convert AAC to FLAC or OGVORBIS will have crapped out by now, or else they used VLC and that thing crashes all the time. Please get in touch with me. I'd love to have anyone on. If interested, please contact me at jwontdart at gmail.com. J-A-Y-W-O-N-T-D-A-R-T at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com. To show off how fancy I am, I've been using bit.ly links for each episode, a shortcut to each episode's script and sources. Just go to www.bit.ly bit.ly bit.ly slash coexist4949 for episode 49. Episode 48 was bit.ly slash coexist48. 47 was bit.ly slash coexist47, and so on. If you want to contact me, even just to say you've listened, send an email to not a real address, you, you open source, Linux using idiots, no, just kidding, jwontdart at gmail.com, or on Twitter, twitter.com slash jaywontdart. I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.